Hi friends. Life Hacks is our most popular series of episodes, and today we're going to find out what happens when life hacks go wrong. Welcome to Life Fails 101, which is a collection of our biggest blunders throughout life while we've been trying to optimize with the best will in the world and we've fallen flat on our faces. <laughs> Expect to learn why Yusuf is barred from a number of pools in Newcastle-upon-Tyne, how I became an unintentional drug trafficker, what happens when Johnny tried to optimise his alcohol use, and what happened that time when Yusuf joined a cult. (laughs) In other news, the Modern Wisdom YouTube channel has now started cutting up some clips, best-ofs, from our existing episodes and uploading them with some new content and some additional stuff. So if you head to the YouTube channel, search Modern Wisdom or youtube.com forward slash Modern Wisdom Podcast, you will be able to check those out as well. But for now, here is me, Johnny and Yusuf, face palming our way through an hour of fuck-ups. Welcome back. Today we are going to do Life Fails. Now, if you are an avid Modern Wisdom listener, you will know that we often do a Life Hacks series. It's one of our most popular. And today we are going to give our best stories about when those those journeys into making our life more optimal go awry, I think, (laughs) is the best way to put it. Yeah, um, death by optimization. <laughs> in, your, in your case. Instant death. Yeah. <laughs> not not one of these slow drawn up. Do not pass go. Oh, do not go pounds. directly to being beheaded. Um, I think we need to let you open up with your first life. So Yusuf has a list. Chris and I probably have like a couple between us. Yeah. I've like, got like I've got sentiment and-, and you've got more life fails than you do life hacks. <laughs> I think a lot of my fails are Stuff that you two remind me of. Like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, I don't know why they seem. To Can happen. I see the list? Yeah, it's just my my favorite list. Johnny wants to see the list. Like, so are we doing the underwater Jasmine yeah. pool? So I think I think that the first one that you should do is Jasmine pool and why you got banned from the pool in town. Okay, so early on in my quest for up- <laughs> <laughs> Johnny's reading. Johnny's reading the list. Look. Because <laughs> I remember them. I remember these things happening. Stop it. I'm sorry. Stop I'm it. Sorry. I'll, I'll keep it together. I'll keep it together. <laughs> You're not <laughs> keeping what it together. What the fuck is that? You won't keep it together. <laughs> What's it say? What does it say? <laughs> what does it, it say? I think, I think this is. It says big poo in toilet. <laughs> Tried boiling water, released the steam. No Got a stick from meadows. Look, it's it's, right. it's going uh, right. Yeah, come on. Okay, <laughs> we we can get to that one for sure. Oh, cool. I so. do requests and everything. So, in early on in my quest for optimization, I read a book that described a process that supposedly Albert Einstein used. I think that's one of those most overused things where they just say, oh, this is the thing that Albert Einstein did and it just instantly gives something credibility. A technique called image streaming. And this is where supposedly you strengthen the connections with the corpus callosum between the right and left brain 
to create more connections and to communicate the left and right side <laughs> of the brain. And so that involves like a, a series of lying down with a tape recorder and just describing verbally the things that you see. And that brings them into awareness. No, it hasn't even happened yet. This, I've not now, heard this part now, before. This, that, that idea started me off and ended, ended up with me being kicked out of Jasmine Pool. <laughs> so, um, what happened was, along with image streaming, I ended up searching more of it and there was a combined method that someone recommended, which is submersion in water for one hour a day total time. So total cumulative time of an hour a day for three weeks. <clears throat> and the idea is, by doing that, you create an adaptation in your body where you increase the surface area of your carotid arteries, the arteries that supply the brain, and increase the blood flow to the brain, equating to supposedly like a 10-point increase in IQ. So I read that, and without any further verification, I was like, right, I'm going to try it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So went into the pool in, uh, in one town and basically had my little digital watch sat by the side of the the ladder thing and just pushed myself underwater and timed myself and just built it up. Did you do 30 seconds on, 30 seconds off? Yeah, or like 60 on, 60 off. Um, or So it would take two hours in the pool. I did this two hours a day in the pool for three weeks. First two days, lifeguard caught wind of this guy doing stuff and he was like, oh, son, you've got to do that. I'm like, oh, no, but I, I'm, I'm trying to increase the surface area of the carotid arteries. He was like, no, no, I just, can't do that. And I was like, right. So he kicked me out, wasn't allowed to go back, ended up um, going to another pool where I was able to continue the journey. There is actually a side story to the first one, which I was I was basically scared for. I, I was, it was the most scared I've ever been in my life. Um, it's because... I got a little permanent marker. I was I was like 16 at the time. Got a permanent marker. <laughs> and I quite liked the idea of writing Arabic text. I thought it looked quite cool. So I did that in the changing rooms in this pool. <laughs> and then the next day, I turned up and there was police vans outside and they closed the pool. And I was like, oh, God. I jumped to the conclusion of they've seen the Arabic. They think that the terrorist attack is incoming. What did you write? Just, like, just something innocuous, but... Um, I was like, they, they've seen it. They think that someone's planted a bomb under there. They've closed off the pool. They're going to see me on the CCTV. Like, that's the rest of my life done. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, you jump to the worst conclusion. I'm like, right, I'm going to be arrested as a terrorist. And that's... But you didn't. The and then life. you managed to complete the rest of your breathing. And, in, in a different and, pool. And did it work? <laughs> no. I, <laughs> I mean, I didn't, I, I didn't test it, which was the, the first step. But... Um, yeah, there was another guy I know who did something similar where he edged, so he took himself to the point of of just about to ejaculate and then pulled back and did that to himself every day for a month. Didn't have sex with his girlfriend the whole time, which must have been really annoying for her because he thought it would increase his testosterone. So there he is for a month. Not sorry, no, I can't have sex with you because I'm doing trying this to thing. Optimize my testosterone. And what happened? Again, I was like, "Did you were you training at the time? Did you measure anything? Did you know what your calories were? No, <laughs> right? <I laughs> so bet, you just annoyed bet, your girlfriend. Did you measure your month. testosterone? <laughs> no, no. I bet I bet day one of month two was fun though. Oh, he yeah. shot himself across weird. the room. It would feel like you're being naughty. Yeah, you spent you spent a month training yourself to not do that bit. Yeah, and then I did it. 
Right, Johnny, what have you got? It all just flies in. It's just some rubbish compared to that. Um, I had a an experience at uni where <clears throat> I was just learning about alcohol metabolism and how to best. Basically, I was on a quest for how can I get as drunk as I want to get without experiencing a hangover and any negative fatness consequences whatsoever. So ate only like protein fluff all day, which is nice, but like there's not very much sustenance to it. Gets to 7 p.m. And I've devised this situation where I, I had everyone that I live with, so six people all doing this. We played Centurion, but with vodka. And the idea was in about an hour or less, we'd have all the alcohol we were going to have for the rest of the evening. Give it plenty of time to clear so that by the time we woke up, we'd be near sober. Yeah. Of six people. Front load the alcohol. But to, to the extreme, of six people, two people made it out of the house. <laughs> One person was borderline alcohol poisoning and passed out. And me and the person who made it out were, ended up doing some things we regretted. <laughs> so what you're saying is don't try don't, and get yourself... Just, just drink normally. Yeah. Just drink normally. There is no way to optimise it, unfortunately. Um, so my 23rd birthday, I'd organised to go and buy a car on my birthday but then went out with my business partner, Darren, to go and see Skrillex <coughs> at mm. Digital. Um, and as I did at the time, the exact reason why I'm sober now, I'm an all or nothing kind of guy when it comes to drinking. And ended up, I, I remember downing about half of a litre of Grey Goose in about three minutes from a speed pourer, straight arming it into my mouth. Um, later on in the evening, I dislocated my knee in the mosh pit, uh, popped it back in. Darren... You popped it back in yourself? Yeah. Darren uh, got me on his back because I could no longer walk, both due to the alcohol and due to the fact I'd popped my knee back in. Darren piggybacked <laughs> did me you back... Did you hit your knee often? Or was that the first time it ever happened? Ever happened. I'm speechless by that, Chris. How, how did you... What happened? Did don't you know. I was, I was leathered. <laughs> you said, ah, pop it back in. Well, I was leathered. Pop what in where? Then? I don't know. I was leathered. <laughs> okay. Um, we'll, we'll drop it. Darren, Darren picked me up, took me back to his house... Outside of Darren's house, it was a single brick, wide brick wall. Imagine terraced streets that you see, typical Tyneside flats in Newcastle. Sat down on the wall and the wall was ready to go. Crumbly concrete between a lot. Cracked through the wall. So an entire small wall of bricks. 50 bricks went over. Looked like a car had crashed into this person. But Darren lived in the maisonette upstairs. So I'd broken his next door neighbour's wall. Went upstairs into Darren. So Darren, I'd lost my keys. That was it. I'd lost my keys, so I couldn't get into my house. Darren had taken me back to his. I went up the set of stairs, tried to go to the bathroom, was aiming for the toilet, was weeing into the toilet, lost my balance, fell sideways into the bath, and then pissed all over myself while I was in the bath. Cracked the bottom of the bath as well, so I split his bath in half, and then pissed onto myself and threw the cracked bath into the floorboards underneath. Uh, woke up in the morning and realised that I had to get a bus to Perth in <laughs> Scotland to go and collect this new car, which was my 23rd birthday present to myself. Spent the entire day limping around because I was now sober with a stonking hangover and had to get a... What was the car? It was a Renault Megane R26R F1. Black. Black. I remember that car. Yeah, it was nice and fast and lovely. But the story to go and get it, like I picked it up at 10 p.m. at night and then drove back. So woke up with a hangover at Darren's house, couldn't get into my house. None of my flatmates were there, piss all over me. His girlfriend, now wife, 
was very angry with me. Broken bath. Broken bath. I'd injured my knee. <laughs> I had to spend my entire day on buses up to Perth. Finally got there at about 8pm at night. Had to hand over all of this money to this guy. Drove the car back uh, in fifth gear. Didn't realise I had six gears. So I drove it back in five in fifth all the way home. And then remember looking at my watch as I got in and I thought, it's five minutes past midnight. That's my birthday gone. Oh, oh God. God. such bad luck with birthdays. I'm shit. I am shit. Right, Lascon, can we learn about when you joined a cult, please? Yeah. So, <laughs> oh, God. for the listeners at home, we have been begging him to tell us this story. I think story. Yusuf should do two for our ones. Fine. <laughs> two to one, work the rest. So I'll do both of your requests, cult and big poo in toilet. So, <laughs> we, the, the, I think all of these stories start from a, a position of like, being experimental and not having such FOMO of like, but what if there is something to it? What if, what if I do spend three weeks in a pool, yeah, underwater, two hours a day, and actually it is slightly beneficial. So, the cult was something that was recommended to me. I thought I'm going to join it. Um, I probably shouldn't say the name of it because. Um, Can you give it an alternative name? Yeah, um, Grubbly Bub. So cool. The I, I joined the Grubbly Bub cult and it basically involves going to Berwick and standing standing in a dark room with some old men. <laughs> and just just for my clarity, when did this happen? This was last summer. Oh, oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> not not the, as in yeah. So summer right. summer twenty seventeen. There's so um, much stuff that he just doesn't mention. <laughs> we never find out. Well, because it, it was at the time, it, it, it was just another experiment. I was like, okay, like, uh, there's a claim. I'm going to test the claim. I'm going to join it. Okay, so come on. I was like, I and I don't join like a Louis Theroux skeptic. I I fully, I'm like, right, I'm fully on board with this potentially working. Were you on your own? Innocent like, until proven guilty, yeah. so to speak. So did you? We did you say to anyone, I'm going to go join the cult, or were you like, I'm off to join the cult? No, I came back. Told my flatmate, I was, I was uh, he was like, where have you been? I was like, oh, I'm in the barrack, I've joined a cult. He was like, oh, cool, mate. Um, went into his room, like, D- David is the most unfazed person. <laughs> yes, it's amazing. Um, so, went to Berwick, stood in a room with old men. Stood in a room with old men, they say begin. The old men start speaking in tongues and um, sort of running around, moving and... What are they wearing? Uh, just normal clothes. Yes. It's like old men clothes, like cords and a, a sort of... Checkered, echo shoes. Checkered, checkered shirt, echo shoes. Yeah. Mm. But you have to take your shoes off when you go in the room. No echo okay. shoes. And I'm I'm standing there and everyone's like supposedly being or what looks like being possessed by something and I'm thinking, why isn't this working? I I, I want the 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 fun The tongues. Thing, the tongues and stuff. So it's like, okay. Uh, eventually and it went on for half an hour and they're all doing this and I'm standing here, so I'm like, okay, I'm gonna lie on the floor. <laughs> Did anyone run over you? No. <laughs> so that that was a suspicious thing because they're, they're running around the room and supposedly totally out of control, out of their bodies, but, but didn't stand coordinated anymore. enough to not stand on you. <laughs> um, so the spirits that possessed them were at least polite. We were polite enough, yeah. And then I went every Saturday morning at 8am to a community centre to do it. <laughs> um, just me and one other guy who was the representative for the North East. Uh, and he was very patient with me. Like he, I was like, look, it's not working for me. He's like, don't worry, just persevere. So I, I did every Saturday morning <laughs> for 10 weeks. <laughs> ma- this ma- is why we couldn't get weeks. you to do podcasts. <laughs> and eventually I, I was like, look, I, I really want to give this an honest shot because 
there's no point in just saying, oh, tried it, didn't work. But, no. Sorry. <laughs> Fucking hell. It's quite so, a disappointing story, really. I want, I want the poo one, and then I want the uh, nocturnal emission. Oh, uh, okay. That, that's that one of my favourites. In the, in the yeah. Vipassana podcast. I, have you heard the story about flying at the Isle of Man, holding hands with a German lady? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, so many. Right, so... Okay, can I just, before you move on, what was what was supposed to happen with the cult? We're supposed to also do, like... I don't know whether it's maybe suggestibility. Mm. So, like, they because they were really into it, like, and speaking... I don't of, think that you're particularly suggestible at all, Anna. It's a shame, but I wanted to be. That, that's the annoying thing. But they, like, they, they can't active. want to be suggestible. <laughs> that's that's they, how it works. They presumably don't go and think, oh, I can't wait to get possessed. Like, what are they trying to do? Well, they, and they don't call it possessed, but they, like, yeah. So The spirit moves through them or something like that. But I, I did feel, I felt like the silly one. <coughs> which is which is incredibly bizarre that you <laughs> felt like the silly one. Lying on the floor. Just I like, just love, I love the commitment. Ten weeks to Berwick Community Centre. To, yeah, the, the, the local one was just... Do you, just remember, the, oh, right, do you remember when I came round to your house mm-hmm. and you had a huge bowl of spinach in front of you and you were eating raw spinach from the bowl and I said, why are you eating that massive bowl of spinach? And you said, I'm not sure. I read something at some point that said eating a bowl of spinach was good for me, but I can't remember what it was and I can't remember the effect it's supposed to elicit. It was a calendar reminder. It was a calendar exactly. <laughs> so... So you know sometimes when you like you you find yourself in a situation you're like oh man past me has scuppered presently because I forgot to like take the chicken out of the freezer or I forgot to whatever whereas in this case past me did myself a favour but didn't explain why so all I had was a, a calendar invite saying eat 200 grams of spinach like I have read this and it is. And I, I verify that it's correct. I'm like, okay, well, like, I trust past me more than anyone. <laughs> as long as it's like posts. What I admire so much is that you just go, okay, time to do that then. And time then you just do it. <laughs> so, what was the other, the big poo in big Toilet poo. Story? <clears throat> we were talking on the previous podcast uh, last week or some week. Some week. <laughs> Get the time warp wrong. Some week, some um, time. About do not live with seven people. Lived in a flat with seven people. Um, someone did a big, big poo in the toilet and it blocked it. It got halfway caught up the U-bend, wouldn't move at all. Um, <laughs> and then it's a case of like, do people just continue to try and poo on top of it and hope that it pushes it down? Mm. Very risky move. Mm. So I boiled the kettle fully <laughs> poured it on the poo and all it did was release the steam it, 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 it almost like it, it, it concentrated the smell and dispersed it throughout the room so then all I've done is created a net negative situation where the poo doesn't dislodge at all but all it's done is enhance the, the potency of the poo atomised the poo atomised it like dispersed it throughout the bathroom seven people we're all can't go to the toilet my flatmate um, who is one of the smartest people I've ever met, but has a very odd way of things. Um, David. Will. Else. Yeah, oh, not right. not really in a... Um, I don't know how to describe it, because if I try, it's going to sound like he has Asperger's syndrome. It's not, <laughs> it, it's not in that same mm-hmm. vein. But anyway, he walked to the nearest field, which is a mile away, <laughs> to get a stick. 
and walked back, <laughs> dislodged the poo with the stick, and then didn't know what to do with the pooey stick, so he took it back to the field. <laughs> oh, so he'd done four miles four of walking. <laughs> Just to, and I, I took the mick out of him, because I was like, why did he have to go... Like, I understand getting the stick from the field, like, mm-hmm. just about, but you didn't need to go and put it back in the same mm-hmm. field. Like, it, no one's going to miss it. As part of that, for, for me, I don't know why, it feels like it's, it's complete. It's back in the field it's now. Full circle. Yeah. Yeah. But with poo. But with poo. But the poo doesn't matter in the field necessarily, because there'll be poo in the field anyway. What if mm. someone else goes to do the same thing? With that same end? stick, takes yeah. the end. Well, fuck. Terrible. He faced that risk to begin with, and he was okay with that risk. He That's does. true, yeah. What if it already did? Oh... It's just an end, that's the poo stick. For yeah, that is the poo stick. <laughs> so, I, I, I don't want to monopolise the podcast, so I think we've got... I, no, I, I think you should. Can we do... Um, I've got another cracking one, which I don't know... Do we, I don't know if you know. I want, I, want, I want novelty. Come on. Okay. Johnny and I were at a competition in Leeds, <laughs> and we were... We, so, to start with, actually, that this is, this is your life fail. Um... So Johnny's, Johnny just bought an Apple Watch. I turned up at his, heart, at his parents' house at 7am saying, hi, is Johnny ready to go? His mum's like, oh, I don't know, I've not seen him yet. And then I just hear like, shit. <laughs> and then Johnny comes running downstairs looking really groggy and red-eyed, just like, oh, what time is it? Seven. Oh, no. I, I set my alarm, but it didn't go off. I was like, what do you mean? He was like, well, what happened is... My Apple Watch at 4am started buzzing and making noise, going, oh, you've been sat down too long, time to stand up. <laughs> you've been sedentary for too long. So so I, I got up, ran around the room, tried to, like, get ready, and then Becca was was like, what are you doing? And, and I was like, Then you what? turned you turned the alarm off, went back to sleep, slept through well, the alarm. Because then you're so pissed off at your Apple Watch, you're like, fuck off, get off my wrist. <laughs> yeah. So you went to the meet, and what happened to the meet? So we ended up going to the meet a bit late. We made the way in and so on. (laughs) This is the (laughs) realisation of what happened. Honestly, long day, lots of caffeine, like, and if you've heard our opinions on caffeine, I'm a very low-caffeine person, so Mm -hmm. taking pill-form caffeine is a kind of rocket fuel. Driving back, 7 or 8 p.m., final stretch, like an hour away from home, and this, I'm on the motorway, and this woman jumps out it's different what I thought in front of me in bits, like in tears. So I put the brakes on, roll down the window, like, are you all right? And she's like, lift. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah, get in. So This is where you get followed, isn't it? This, yeah, man. So, I have seen this one. So, so this seen this one. <laughs> I saw this one. So I've let this woman into the car. She's in, she's absolutely distraught. I'm on. I'm already knackered, and I'm thinking like, is this a safe situation? Is it one of these scams? I thought like when I stopped the car, is it one of those things where like they distract you and then two guys come into the car and mm-hmm. jack your car and beat you up? So anyway, had her in the car. She's telling me a story that doesn't quite match up about her husband kicking her out the car, and she wants me to take her to the next town along. I'm like, okay, fine. Like I'm in this situation now. As we are driving there, there's two women walking along a pavement. She rolls down the window and shouts, yeah, get in, to those two. And I'm like, whoa. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, madam. I I agreed to pick you up. I didn't agree to pick up all your mates. I don't know who these people are. And and then um, she's just like, 
doesn't respond very normally to that. We carry on. She's like, oh, I live in that residence. So I start going towards it. Car comes up behind me, like old Vauxhall Corsa, flashing the lights, beeping the horn, four guys in it, proper Raggies, like with the, 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 like the, the Burt and the, the Deodora tracksuit bottoms and the, the, the Kappa, Kappa tracksuit top and all that, um, flashing the lights and beeping me. So I, so I just pull over and let them go because they're right at, right at my back. They then pull round and stop in front of me. So I pull off again, and then they they pull off once again, right up behind my back. Pull around once again, stop in front of me in the road, so I can't get out. I, I can't um, I can't go around them. All the four doors open. The four guys get out, start walking towards the car. So I'm like, oh, what's this? So I pull off again. They get back in the car and drive and drive after me. At this point, I'm like, right, and, and she, she's just unperturbed by the whole thing. She's <laughs> your heart like, rate must have been. I. I yeah, I, I think there was a lot of, like, decision trees going on. Like, yeah. um, So, and then she was like, oh, left here, left here, right here. And it's into, like, more and more of a, like, dead-endy bit. Mm-hmm. And the guys are following me. Eventually, they just peel off. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay. <laughs> she then takes me to what she says is her house. She's been talking about, oh, me, me husband, I'm, I'm going to kill him. I'm actually going to kill him. I'm, I'm going to take a knife. And I'm like, listen, please... <laughs> Like for my sake, I'm because I'm an accessory to murder. I'm, I'm an accessory to murder, and also like I, I said, listen, right, go in your house, go straight to bed, do not pass go, do not speak to your husband, <laughs> just have a sleep. You'll be okay in the morning. Deal with it in the morning. Don't while your emotions are high. Just um, and she's like, oh, will you pull me into the house? I'm going to kill him. I was like, listen, I took one thing. She was like, can I give you some money? I was like, no, just. Don't, Please kill, don't your kill your husband. That's all I'm asking of you. She wants me to pull into her house, and I'm thinking, if I pull in with this guy who sounds like an absolute nutter, and she and he's like, "Who's this young man that's pulled into my driveway?" Yeah. yeah, I was like, "I'm going to get axed." Like mm-hmm. I've just missed being killed by four, uh, four lynched guys. by four chaps. <laughs> so I was like, "Look, I can, we can see your house there. It's twenty meters away. Just, just go off you pop." And then what happened? And then she I, got out and it was fine. She got out and it was all fine. Amazing, Johnny. And then he told me about it, and I advised him not to speak. Not to, to do that. Um, all mine are just when I was I had too much to drink that I can think of. <laughs> There's a time when um, I I'm at a house party. Toilet in the house party has been is being used. Just one beer pong naturally mm-hmm. just one beer pong desperate for the desperate for the toilet go upstairs later found out someone was getting a blowjob in the toilet which is extremely annoying walk down <laughs> well because because of what happened next walked downstairs walked outside walked around the side of the house started pissing literally pissed into the wind and the piss went all <laughs> over me so soaked <laughs> what, what was so strange about the experience i really clearly remember this was starting pissing piss all over my t-shirt and then just oh. thought well it's done now <laughs> so I just continued pissing it's gone and it went like here <laughs> in my face and then I went back in again and everyone's like why are you so wet and I just maintained the line of it's raining outside <laughs> that reminds me of the peep show when uh, what, what Mark is in the stationary cupboard and Dobby starts grinding on him and he's like oh this is not uh, <laughs> does she mean to do this oh god oh 
oh, I've, I've come in my pants. <laughs> oh, I can't believe that's actually happening. And then he walks out and he's wearing grey trousers and he's got a little a little uh, wet patch on his trousers. Yeah. Then Greg's like, you're right, Mark. Have you, have you pissed yourself? He's like, um, yes. Yes, I <laughs> Joke's on him. He thinks I've pissed myself. <laughs> Secretly, I cover my butt. Yeah. So I literally pissed into the wind and then pissed all over myself. <laughs> literally. Oh, man. And the, the following day is the worst hangover I've ever had. Really? It's red wine, yeah. Two bottles of red wine. Wow. And then beer. My worst ever hangover, I think, was the one after Take Me Out. That was... Oh, I remember you... That's an incredible story. When did you tell us that story? On the Take Me Out podcast, which may or may, oh, or may yeah. not have already existed. If that it's not come yet... a saga of a story, that. It's an absolute belter. Very Can you well think, I can't think of anything to, to mention. So the, there's the couple I mentioned before. So you made your mum cry with nose talk. Oh, but, that, but that's the story. Let's do Ben. Let's do what happened with Ben. And Ben, yeah. Let's do, so okay. I can I can actually contribute to this one. So we I went to go and see Johnny compete at his first oh, ever powerlifting meet in Ashington. This wasn't first ever. This was like a year ago. My Your the first time that I've ever it. seen you compete at a powerlifting meet. Ashington. Ashington. And Ashington. And for people who've never been to powerlifting meets before, it's just like a testosterone-filled room of chalk and metal and people shouting. And talk about it. And old men. And All in an IT room of the community centre. Yeah. It's <laughs> it's in... And that's, what, that's what's strangest about it, the fact that you've got this hyper-aggressive, super-strong kind of culture... And then it's just been deposited into a, a school the sport, first welfare centre, a school sports hall, and they've had to move the A-frame from from primary school to one side so that they can get the lifting. What's, what's most mental about that is you walk down the corridor to the warm-up room, and there's like children's sort of paints all over the walls. Oh yeah! You get into the gym, and there's like three or four world champions training in that gym, and always have trained in that gym. And it's just the most out of place thing. It's the whole thing's just a bit uneasy. The everything about the room, like everyone has the same postural deficits. Like they're all they're all lordotic, like fronts <laughs> sticking out, big quads everywhere. Um, lots of like, beards, lots of piercings. Yeah. And um, so yeah. Anyway, and then there was Chris. I was there. And then there was and my mum. Yeah. <laughs> and, we there. and Becca. Oh, no, Becca. Becca. Yeah, Becca. yeah, Becca was there. Yeah. So anyway, we're watching. Uh, we're watching Johnny. These shorts are getting shorter. We're watching Johnny uh, get ready to lift, and. In powerlifting, there is something called nose talk, which is a specific kind of smelling salt. So Ammonia. I think we yeah. should give some give some background on this as well. That smelling salts are one thing, and smelling that's salts what they, that's what paramedics give to drunk people, right? It is, but like smelling salts are to nose talk. What a <laughs> you're good with these analogies. Um, <laughs> it's like a bullet to a nuclear warhead. <laughs> yeah, it, like it, it's it's so concentrated because it, it's it's just like a. a block of the pure stuff now well, it's actually ammonia it, it is it's ammonia and if you if you open it in a room of this size within a few seconds everyone will go like oh mm. like it's it's so strong and what, they, they the, use what, it what, to, I was gonna say, what's the reason for it so they, they they use it to wake people up but they also use it to test if someone is malingering and claiming that through some you know through some kind of lawsuits that they've lost their sense of smell <laughs> people will hold nose nose talk or not or like ammonia not the brand of nose talk under their nose and say can you smell this and the people who are lying will be like no i can't smell it but actually um it's not processed as a scent as a smell it's processed as pain okay because it strips your sinuses 
So it's and they and you guys sniff it before you lift to kind of get so yourself. I out don't. Right. I, I like I. Have you ever used it before lifting? No, one time, and it was bad. And it was terrible. <laughs> People who get really amped up before lifting. It is completely and utterly unnecessary. Because it's a technical sport. Like the strongest people in the world, calm as a Hindu cow. Like they just walk on, lift the weight, and then walk off again. Unless you're Stephen Manuel. But there are people stronger than him who are just. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, it just shows that it's not required. Like, it, fair enough if you want to make a fuss, but. Everyone's you, got the different. You don't need to, to of course. Doing yeah. It though. So, yeah, and <clears throat> Ben, who was one of Johnny's fans, was. Um, was sat in the crowd and we were saying, well, look, you should, everyone should have a smell of this. And I got pushed quite hard towards smelling it and I stood my ground because I knew that it would be a bad idea for me. Mm-hmm. Remembering that Johnny hasn't actually That's done... because you've been exposed to too many people in clubs being like, oh, mate, how are you this? Yeah, or sniff like- this, yeah, <laughs> sniff this, mate. Oh, no, your game. You were like, hang on, I've seen this I've before. been here before. Um, and Ben got bullied into doing it. Remembering that Johnny hasn't actually lifted yet and Ben's gone all the way to Ashington to be able to watch him lift. <laughs> Someone so Yusuf opens this nose talk and Ben. I thought Ben was just going to give it like a, a, a which distance, is, which is more than enough. Oh, like, like that's what people do before they lift. Is they go? It's bu- it's a and, and even of, then they go like, a well, couple, like it's a couple of feet below their nose, right? Yeah, it's not yeah. like it's not like smelling. You know, one of those Olbas oil sticks that oh, you actually right. attach to oh. your nose, and that's how Ben went for it. So Ben went for a two nostril offensive, oh. about half an inch above the opening to it, really and a there. big breath instantly started yelping in pain. His eyes started streaming. He, ben looks a little bit sloth-like at the best of times and then looked like um, Sid from Ice Age uh, in a really sad scene, like when he'd lost his chestnut. And um, then was in so much pain, had to go to the toilet to try and wash his eyes so that his eyes would stop streaming. That didn't work. Missed Johnny's first lift because he sniffed the nose talk and just ruined the rest of his day and he went home early. Yeah. I remember seeing him five hours later and he was still mm. red eyes. We went for a meal later on. Johnny turned up and was like, oh, I've just been with Ben. He's in intensive care. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, oh. You were like halfway at the door. You were like, seriously. (laughs) The best thing about that was as Ben left, he just, so I didn't see this happen, but he just turned to my mum and Becca and just went, thank you. Thank you so much. And no one knew what he was thanking them for. And he doesn't know what he was thanking them for. <laughs> it's just, it's just his instinct. Delusional. Like, oh, yeah, ben, you are a gent. Like, you, you, you could have taken that so much worse. I know, man. Ben, you're so, a trooper. Right, Yusuf, what have you got? Okay, so this is one I think Johnny's heard. You haven't heard this yet. I've just finished an obstetrics and gynecology rotation. So pregnant women and vaginas. And um, I went into... I, I was It was 5.30. I was, with a, I was in a clinic. And I was like, right, can I... Can I go now? Um, she's like, yeah, have you found it useful? And I was like, yeah, yeah, it's been, it's been good. Like, I forgot to do an examination on one of the patients, but she was like, oh, I will, uh, I will arrange for you to um, do an examination. I'm like, no, no, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will call, I will call. She just call, calls up the next ward. She's like, I have a student here who's uh, wanting to do an examination. I'm like, oh, it's 5.30. Like, please. And she was like, no, 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 don't worry, don't worry. And so sent me off to another ward. <clears throat> Someone else met me and was like, oh, you need to get because you have to get things signed off as part of the so observed examinations of certain things. And it was examining a pregnant woman. And so I turned up and I'm like, hi, yeah, I've been sent over. Like, do you have any pregnant women that I can look at, ex- look at and examine and feel the bump and stuff? Um, not just like 
feel the bump. Yeah. Um, she was like, yeah. You want to do a baby show. <laughs> she, she was like, yeah, okay. Um, there's one here. Went into an isolation room. And this doctor came in and was like, hi there, Victoria. How are you doing? Yeah. Oh, you've had a lot of syphilis, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, we've got this student who wants to um, do perform an examination for his, uh, for, for his workbook. And it's like, so I'm washing my hands and I'm like, okay. And then she just revealed the belly and um, naked from the waist down. And you have, part of it is you have to like, when you're measuring the baby, you have to get right into sort of the top of the vagina. And I'm like, <laughs> um, so you don't wear gloves for this one. Um, and then like afterwards, finished the exam, washed my hands vigorously, left the room <laughs> just like, oh man. Set them on fire. And then had a chat with this doctor after I was like, so um, you said you had a lot of syphilis. She was like, I'm sorry, what? He said, you said when you came in, you were like, hi, you've had a lot of syphilis. She was like, oh, sickness. I'm like, oh, thank goodness. But I came out like, don't touch anything. Like, because for someone to be described as having a lot of syphilis, that's like... I can't believe that they, that you thought like, yeah, I'm just going in, no gloves, a lot of syphilis, here I come. Well, I was like, I've committed now. Like, and, and putting on gloves for something like that is a bit insulting. So... But in, anyway, next next story. I, I'll, is... I'll I'll jump in. I've got a quick one. Okay. So, as it often happens with nightclubs, if we're stood in the door of a of a venue, a lot of the time, um, bouncers on the door will confiscate drugs from people who've been going into clubs. So I went to Thailand a couple of years ago, and I'd been working on the night a few weeks before that, and got myself out to Thailand. I'd flown by Dubai, went to Thailand, and I'd been fighting and uh, training in a Muay Thai camp, which meant I'd been living in shorts for most of the time. And on the Saturday, all of the fighters go out and they have a meal, nice meal. So I'd put my pair of jeans on and a shirt and I'd gone out, gone to, for this meal and then gone to a bar afterwards. I'm going to the bar and I'd put my money somewhere. I didn't have a wallet on me. So I'm like going between all of my pockets, put my hand into the little pocket that goes in the top of your jeans and pulled out a full gram bag of miscellaneous drugs which one of the door staff had given me. Miscellaneous. Well, just un, undiagnosed, <laughs> right. un, unknown white powder. I'm so glad that you've uh, said the story. <laughs> I was worried that you wouldn't, so... It's one of my favourites. So I've, I've had this. I'm supposed to have put it in the safe, but I'm running around outside of a nightclub and I've forgotten. Remembering that I've flown through Dubai, where it's life in prison for having drugs on you, and then arrived in Thailand, where the penalty can be death. They still have the death penalty for class A drugs over there. And at which point I went like, (laughs) (laughs) had a near mental breakdown. Um, And then I actually ended up throwing it in a river. It's realising the enormity of Of what I've done. But it's, it's, it's such an odd sensation that something terrible has happened whilst nothing at all happening. It was exactly, well, it was how I felt with the, the, Police cars and the swimming yeah. pool and stuff. It's like, like, oh, something... Something awful's occurred, but actually at the same time, yeah. nothing's awful, nothing awful's occurred. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do another one, actually, while I'm on this topic, because I, I said this story the other day. This is quite an interesting um, insight into how much we value other people's opinions of ourselves. So I was in Bali last year. I just need to stop going away in the summer because just mad shit happened. <laughs> I was in Bali last year. I was driving a 50 pence per day Balinese moped... And I, uh, a truck pulled out on me while I was driving along Balinese Road. I had a helmet on, but I was wearing tiny swim shorts and a vest. Slammed my brakes on. Um, 
the back wheel started to skid out. So release the brakes, bike straightened up, but then I was about five yards away from the truck. So I could have either pulled the brakes again and risked skidding or allowed myself to hit this truck. And I was like, right, lesser of two evils, pull the brakes again, see what happens. Sure enough, bike went out from underneath me. Me in my tiny swim shorts was like, along the ground, all on one side. So it was elbow, shoulder, knee, outside of front of shin, and then all of the top of my foot. So... All of the skin was just removed. I think you guys have you guys saw yeah, this sort of pretty soon afterwards. Yeah, um, pretty gruesome. Like very very painful injuries afterwards. But at the time, I didn't feel any. The prevailing sensation, the prevailing emotion I had, was embarrassment. So ahead of fear of physical injury, pain, disfigurement self-preservation, any of those things. It's like, oh, the, that was so stupid. The prevailing mm. feeling was, I look like a twat. And I had a couple of guys that I Is was riding. Is it also that you like, oh, I'm the white guy on the moped? And, a little uh, bit. Well, yeah, there's a stereotype <laughs> of like fucking tourists. Yeah. And um, a, the couple of the guys that I was riding with came back and they came over and they were like, fucking hell, mate, you all right? And I was like, yeah, 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 I'll be okay. <laughs> like, I've removed most of the skin from one side of, from my arm and oh. leg from one side of my body and the entire top of my foot has gone. And I'm there saying, yeah, yeah, no, I'm fine. Like, let's just crack on. They were like, no, we need to go to a pharmacy. And I was like, right, okay, let's go to a pharmacy then. Sure enough, as the adrenaline begins to wear off a little bit and the pain starts to kick in. And this is probably the most, in terms of total amount of pain, like area under the pain curve for the next four weeks, are the most painful thing that I've ever had to deal with. But as it happened, the first 10 to 15 seconds afterwards, all I really felt was embarrassment. Can you also just describe the alcohol swabs? Ah, oh, yeah. So <clears throat> this is... How did I miss this as a life fair? Mm. Honestly, it's wood for the trees again, isn't it? Like, Yeah. <clears throat> so I was on my way to a beach club and I was with uh, two guys, one of whom's an Aussie. So his, and both of them worked offshore. So they were like fully medically trained, pulled in to... A pharmacy picked up some alcohol wipes and some dressing, some tea tree oil and some other stuff that would cleanse it and some uh, iodine. And they were like, right, well, we might as well, we're halfway to this beach club and we need to get you cleaned up. So you might as well come with us. We'll do that. Have a couple of beers and we'll turn around. Remember, like at this point, all of the skin from the front of my shoulder, like my anterior shoulder, all of my elbow and halfway down my forearm, the outside of my knee took a lot of the impact and then a lighter grazing, but still all of the front of my shin on the outside. And then literally the top of my foot is gone. So we pull into this really nice beach club and the guys who are doing like the, um, uh, the valet service outside, just looking us up and down and they're on the left hand side of me, which is the, the side that has got, and they just look at me as I go past it's bright red, like blood red. Anyway, my man, you okay? I'm like, yeah, yeah don't, don't, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Get into the beach club, go into the bathroom, and it's a really nice posh beach club where they've got miniature hand towels. It's just as well because I needed to use those to pick bits of Balinese road out of my flesh. So it was like, right, before we Absolute start... hepatitis road, isn't it? Yeah, man. <laughs> well, it was coarse, like gravel and big chunks in the road. So it was like hitting a cheese grater, like a, hitting oh. a concrete cheese grater. <clears throat> so anyway, I'm starting to wash my wounds with this uh, water and it's 
I can feel like the severity, what was worse was the severity of my injuries got worse as I went down. So shoulder was worse than elbow, was worse than knee, was worse than foot. And the foot was really bad. So I've got this drinking water and I'm kind of sloshing it on and I can feel that like stinging sensation, like very, very strongly. It's just exposed flesh, basically. And a little droplet of water just went down and hit the top of my foot. So I was doing that and it just set it on fire. I couldn't believe how painful it was. And I was like, fuck's sake. So I'm like kind of shaking a little bit but also oddly out of my body at the same time. I think probably a dump of adrenaline on the back end and a few other bits. So I've got these towels and I'm like picking bits of gravel out of the side of my leg and like trying to dab certain digital, uh, (laughs) trying to dab different bits of my body down just so I can get used to the pressure being on it. And I'm like, right, okay, no worries. Anyway, go back in, sit down with the boys. I'm like, look, how are you feeling? I was like, yeah, I'm like, you know, I've got, I've got a bit of water on it. And they're like, look, like we need to, we need to get the wounds cleaned. We need to get you dressed. We need to do all the rest of it. I'm like, right, okay, well, like, let me have a beer. I'll have a beer. We'll crack on. So I have a beer. He's like, right, should we, should we get started? I was like, yeah, cool, no worries. So he gets a alcohol swab, a little square alcohol swab that you'd usually use before you get like a hypodermic syringe or whatever that goes in. And I remember he just the weight. You can imagine the weight of that. It probably weighs like two grams or three grams, and he just like brushed the top of my shoulder with it. So it didn't actually apply any pressure, just allowed the weight of the thing to drape itself across my shoulder. And I thought that I understood what the um, maximum volume was that my nerves were able to communicate to my brain. And this just smashed through it and turned it up to like 11 or 12. And I could hear the pain. Like it was like the tinnitus sound and my shoulders went up. Like I was hearing something loud and he just brushed it across the top. And I was like, holy fuck that that is beyond anything I've ever ever felt but then after about five seconds five to ten seconds the nerves just completely shut off so you can imagine he draped it across and that happened for the first time unbelievable pain but once all of the nerves have fried themselves he can then actually apply as much pressure as he wants and it doesn't feel like anything anymore which is a really interesting phenomenon I don't really understand why or how that works well there was there's a is it Malcolm Gladwell one, the other one. <laughs> there's, there's two authors. I'll get them mixed up. Anyway, one of them was on a burns unit for a while because he got full body burns. And he said that the nurses, out of um, compassion, would try to, when they had to replace people's um, dressings once a day, they would undo the bandages slowly. Mm. And the patient started to develop um, a real anxiety when it came to the bandages being done. Um, and it turned out that actually he suggested after experiencing both himself fast and slow, he was like, actually fast is much better. Yeah. Um, over because slow is just this ongoing. He was like, it's an unpleasant experience regardless. Yeah. So he suggested like, let's just switch to as quick as possible. And he did. And said it was so much better. So yeah, done that one, then did elbow as well, dressed it, put this lovely dressing on, put the iodine on, which should have hurt. But again, the nerves are just transmitting nothing. And I'm like sweating. It's hot, really, really Mm. hot. I'm sweating. <clears throat> unbelievable amount of pain and then um, I'm like look boys like I need another couple of beers so I'm like having have maybe two or three more beers remembering that I need to drive the bike back but I, I, this mm-hmm. at the time I was like like just to get through this I need to get through this forget about driving back and anyway he's like look mate like we need to crack on I need to do this because he was worried about me being exposed to the air um, so there's like particles in the air and stuff like that I don't really know how oh. much truth's in that but especially in Bali I suppose <laughs> yeah <laughs> and we're right next to the beach and etc etc so anyway does my knee 
And that's like, that's another, another level of pain. Remembering I already thought it just got turned up to 11. <laughs> and that was, that was another level of pain. And I remember watching the guy that sat across from us as he helplessly saw one of his friends inflict pain on another one of his friends. And the guy that was doing it to me was going, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> and I was like, mate, it's fine. You go, I know, but I'm so sorry. I'm just really sorry. I'm so sorry. And I was like, yeah, mate, it's okay. Like you're doing what you need to do. I was like, right, okay. And then it was going to get to my foot and my foot was just a complete, the whole top of it had gone. And I was like, right, fucking hell. Another couple of beers. So I'm like heavily beer deep now, mm-hmm. but I like, and anyway, I remember I was like, right, just go for it. So he puts this thing across the top of my foot and um, I'd just read uh, Born to Run and it's a book about uh, African tribes, long distance running and stuff like that. And in that, they talk about when they're suffering with pain when they're running, about rather than hiding from the pain, they go into it and they open the pain up. They go to the exact sort of the epicenter, exactly where it comes from, and they deconstruct it and think about what it actually means, and then it dissipates. And I was like, right, well, you know, I've never got a better better time to try and try this experiment than now. So he did it, and sure enough, the pain was unbelievable, like nothing I've ever, ever felt before. But very, very quickly, it stopped being pain. Like I wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't attach myself to the pain or associate anything with the pain, remembering that this was something that was good for me as well. And after maybe one second of kind of establishing myself with what the feeling was going to be, I started laughing. (laughs) So this is, and still, I can still say it's the most painful experience, but it wasn't traumatic when it happened. And it was just really, really interesting that that had occurred and he'd done this across the top of my foot. And then sure enough, I, I knew that in five to 10 seconds, it was all going to be over and I was going to be fine and it would be strapped up and my wound would be clear, cleaner and et cetera, et cetera. Um, but yeah, that was, that was really, really interesting. Like that sensation of the pain and being able to go down and think it's just as well. I, I feel very thankful that I've done even a modicum of mindfulness practice over the last, over the 18 months before that also um, quite consistently. And I've done a lot while I was out there. Um, so without that, I think I'd have attached myself to the pain an awful lot more. I'd have had a narrative around it. <clears throat> then you're a few beers deep and you've got to get the bike back. I had to drive back. But I mean, that was, that was fine. Like I had no, one thing that would have been residual would have been travel anxiety. Yeah. But, um, that was, that was Offset pretty much, by the that was pretty much all gone by the beers. And then got back and I had to cut my trip back from Bali short. So I'd been planning this trip to Bali for a year was supposed to go for a month, fell off a bike after a week and came back home after a fortnight. I remember, yeah. Life hack fail. That is a Life fail, fail. A fail and a half. Have we got a short one to finish yeah, on? Yeah, so I've, I've, there's a few mini ones. Do um, a mini one. Did we do the the um, data charge on the, no. on the plane? Right? No. So <laughs> on the way to Thailand, um, I fell asleep. And I was naughty, you know, and they're like, Mitch, make sure you turn your phone on airplane mode. I was like, nah. So fuck you, man. <laughs> <laughs> fuck you, man. So so I just I fell asleep and we were still over the UK, 35 minutes into the flight. And I woke up for a moment, checked my phone, saw that I had a text message. Hi, welcome to Aeromobile. You are now using our services connected with Vodafone. You are being charged seven pounds per megabyte for data. And, you know, a million pounds for me- minutes and messages. <laughs> I'm like, oh, God. Okay. So, so I checked my daily data usage on the settings, and it said 526 megabytes. <laughs> and 
I was like, oh my, right, okay, hang on. Quickly, like, immediately airplane mode, calculator multiplied by seven pounds, that's 3,700 pounds. <laughs> like, I'm going to have to sell the car, sell, <laughs> sell my kidney, like this. Uh, and I sat there just mincing for the next... 24 hours it was, it was a 22 hour flight and obviously like and you're just trapped unable to turn it off you've got no network access no network access knowing that I've just got this massive impending bill that's way beyond what I can afford sat there just like for for falling asleep it wasn't even using it like I'd understand like but it's, it's so it's like you you just they've just come into you into your pocket and they've just gone so it's just app good. refreshing the background yeah and what was so, because you didn't actually end up paying. unbelievable so ended up like luckily in Dubai airport like 12 hours later, managed to get access to Wi-Fi, sent a message to Vodafone customer service and all this stuff. I'm like, I'm going to get absolutely ruined here. <laughs> Eventually, a few days later, by the time the bill did refresh, it only charged £36, mm. by which point I was so relieved that... Did you contest that? that? Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> because, well, because also, like, on principle... That what they what they've done is they like when your phone isn't even in use you're literally asleep they just come in and reach and I suppose the unbelievable the re, the reaction to that as well you have to turn your phone on and put it that's mode. true so but but then say yeah, I agree or there will be massive financial consequences yeah. there's also, a, there's a potential flight risk not bothered oh my god thirty five pound bill my my thinking is that like if if Modern planes can't handle a bit of EMF from someone's phone, and and like the level of security that they enforce that is like reminding people in one language for multinational flights to turn your phone off. That's what I think then. about about the um, the liquids thing. Like, mm. I, you know, nine eleven was terrible, and we don't want it to happen again. But I've accidentally flown with hundred and twenty five milliliter oh. tubes of toothpaste in my hand luggage. Mm. No one stopped me. Yeah, like well, I, it's just a, it's just an absolute plug. Unless someone would like to tell us in the comments below why they do that. Well, there's a, there's a YouTube video where this guy makes a shotgun from things that he's bought in the airport. Have you seen that? No. Um, condom, battery, pack of deodorant, bunch of change, um, and a hairdryer. And so he takes the heating unit from the hairdryer, attaches it to a toilet tube, puts the coins in like a, a a pack at the end of it um wraps a condom filled with uh the battery inside the hair the hair dry heating unit um and the can of deodorant behind as the as the explosive thing and basically it just it melts through it and then just fires the coins and so this is all and he was like i bought all this stuff for 12 dollars in and does he the, show like the destruction yeah it, it's a very dirty gun like it it's very unpredictable but the fact is, like, you can do... Some pretty serious damage. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, also, I kept a diary from... Every day, I wrote a, a daily account of what happened. It wasn't, it wasn't so much like an outpouring of emotion diary. It was just like, this happened on this day, like a journal, for 10 years. Was it 10 years? Yeah, and um, <laughs> so from, I think from, or like eight years, from like the age of... Yeah, the age of 11 to the age of 19. Um and then one day I was just adding to it and it was a Microsoft Word document, which is why Microsoft Word can go and like just, um, and the file corrupted. And I was like, oh, well, that's it. 10 that's, years that's of my life. Of my diary. And just stopped then. <laughs> and I was like, well, I'm not going to continue from now. So <laughs> no more diary. Hell. Do you ever think that the things that have happened to you are exceptional? 
a lot of it's self-inflicted. Like, I shouldn't have done it on a Microsoft Word document. That was the universe saying, Yusuf, mate, don't... <laughs> that's don't one, you that's one way Word to learn. It's a, it's a drop in the ocean compared to driving to Berwick to join a cult, isn't it? It really is. <laughs> or sub- like, forcing, like, forcing yourself to be submerged underwater in the corn, corner of Jasmine Pool for two hours every day. Also, the, the, the sense of, like, oh, God, when you found the pack of drugs. Yeah. Um, similar thing. I had my laptop in the back of the car. I went, I went for a meal... When I came back, I realised that I'd left both back doors wide, like wide aeroplane, wide open, <laughs> with the laptop in the back. And well, Johnny, you'd, you'd left your you left your keys on the passenger seat of your Just unlocked today. car in the supermarket today. Yeah, it's quite a rough car park. Like, so I was actually thinking about this. I was walking towards the car, and there were like there was a, cl- a clear smell of weed coming from one parked car. Mm. Two guys just kind of loitering around, mm. and you just think like. Dodgy here. So, but then the thought process was, so when I work in a coffee shop, I take my laptop with me to the toilet mm-hmm. and I yeah. can't decide whether or not that's a weird thing to do, but it, it's this thought. I of think like, other people might look at you and, and think, think, what a weirdo, but like, no, I, you, I have you, the last you laugh. You cannot trust the public to, def- to defend your property. But, but Absolutely you, not. It's what, I've been mugged in broad... In broad daylight, on a busy, you got punched by a Nazi on a busy street. Been punched by a Nazi. <laughs> everything that's happened to me, everything criminal that's happened to me, has been in broad really daylight, and no one helps. Well, so so the, I, you're absolutely right. The, the question is, what, fire. Fire. what percentage yeah. of people have that desire to to take something? So like I that? think I think that I have because I'm naturally I think I'm naturally quite a nice person. I'm a you know a fair person who wouldn't want to steal someone's fucking laptop that they left out. Mm. I give an undue level of um, leeway and hope to other members of the general yeah, public. Do that. Yeah. But it only takes one time for mm. your car to be stolen. Or my business partner, Dave, got his car stolen. I think I've told you this story. So the the robbers got into his house, his brand new Q7, 60, 70 grand Q7 outside, got into his house and his bedroom was on the first floor. So got up his stairs, came into his bedroom. He's in the bedroom. He's in the bedroom, asleep. He wears earplugs and uh, an eye mask to sleep in. Took the keys from next to his head on his bedside table. Flagrant, isn't it? Just took the keys. And then instead of going back down thinking, done that, Mm. went up another flight of stairs into his brother's room and took the laptop I just sold his brother. Unbelievable. From his, and his brother was asleep as well, does the same thing. I'm at, obviously, they don't know eye mask. They don't know earplugs. Mm. Took that, came back down, bundled his brother's laptop into his other brother's car, drove away, never got it back. That's crazy. David Cameron um, had his bike stolen outside of Tesco in London because he, he locked it around one of those bollards that's that high. You just oh, slide it off. Yeah, and then he was being interviewed after. He was like, I don't, I don't understand. I was only in there five minutes. And you're like, David. Welcome to the real world. Yeah, man. like, you, you, okay, I, I appreciate you've, like, taken your bike out onto the street as a PR event, but, like... But, so, but it's the thing, isn't it? Like, probably thought, oh, that's David. If Cameron, something is... Because, like, <laughs> fuck you, David. It's, it's like, I, I can't... I have no idea of what proportion of people... Because, so, sat next to me in this same coffee shop the other day was a guy on his laptop who would, was just regularly getting up and going outside for an e-cigarette, mm. which is a bit weird in itself because mm-hmm. you don't need to go outside for an e-cigarette. But he was just leaving his laptop there. Is there only one entrance and exit? There is, but like, what's he going to do? He was like an old, uh, quite an old guy. 
Like, is he going to have a, is he going to confront the person? Because mm. there's going to be that moment where someone walks out with his laptop and he's going to go, is that my laptop? And then he's going to go in and look, realise his laptop's not there and it's too late. Uh, smash, him in his, smash him in the face with the e-cigarette. <laughs> Poke him in the eye. Have I told you about the uh, man that came to the door? Yeah, that's a very vague story. But <laughs> what, um, Was this the person who you resuscitated wearing a skirt? Oh, okay. So that, that's another one as well. But um, so I, I was was in the flat, some knock at the door. This guy, like in a shirt and trousers and his hair kind of slicked back, looks a bit slimy. Was like, hi there. Um, I'm just here for the shoes. I'm like, Sorry? <laughs> I do know this. Oh, uh, yeah. He, he was like, is, is Sam in? And I was like... Sam, and then the rest of the flat start coming out and peering out at this guy, and he's like, oh, you're right, mate. And he walks into the other room, and we're like, how do you know Sam? And he's like, oh, I don't. I'm just here for his shoes. And we're like, what, what? Is this the same guy who went to the field for the stick? No, someone different. No, someone different. Someone different. Um, and so this guy was like, we were like, look, can you tell it? And he was like, if you must know, I've got a foot fetish, and um, I'd appreciate if you wouldn't judge me, but... I, I've just come for Sam's shoes and Sam like brought out his shoes like alright man enjoy see you later like totally fine about it and we were like what's what's going on and Sam was like oh um, he, he followed me the other day and he was like oh because like, he had these like really ruined shoes and he was like oh, I really like the shoes can I can I have them and I was like yeah sure mate but I haven't I need to get a new pair on Friday so just come back then I live up here um, and so the guy as instructed, came out. Came back. That is the shoes. really bizarre. Can we finish on you, you resuscitating like, someone? In yeah, state? sure. Well, we were like, Sam, are you not, um, are you okay with what that man's going to be doing with your shoes? And he was like, yeah, fine. You know, if it- what's the, what's the thought experiment that you do about someone taking sexual pleasure from giving you a massage? Oh yeah. So this is the, the so there's a book called The Ethics of Touch and um, it's recommended to anyone who is a clinician, I suppose that involves touching someone, but it's, it, yeah, there's things like, um, if, somebody was massaging you and they were getting so much, a lot of enjoyment from it themselves. Is that, but that doesn't change your experience of the massage, but is it something that you are uncomfortable with? Assuming, let's say you're a straight man, it's another man and the man is getting enjoyment from it. Mm. Is he getting audible or visual? No, no, he's he's giving no signals. Well, it doesn't matter anyway. So, So for you, you're a utilitarian doesn't seem as long as so when you I think you asked me this question recently and in my head I'm like I imagine that I can tell yeah (laughs) (laughs) and in that case like no that's not okay yeah I see so until it impinges on your experience you don't mind well yeah well because how many like we may have all all the massages you've had may have been with someone absolutely loving every second of it you don't Mm. know you're no worse off Mm. what about if you knew in retrospect what about if someone told you after the event I think I could suspend the thoughts as long as you know why that is. However, why mindfulness gap? Uh, yeah, meditation. And why is that different to date rape? Because date rape is a, is a horrific thing, and most people would agree that it would it, that's very much a violation. But because you are, I'm still allowing permission. For the massage to happen, you're not allowing permission for him uh, to take yeah. sexual pleasure from it, though. In Gra- fact, granted, you, you know what? It's a, it's a completely different because, um, but the, the, in, up, isn't it? In, so. in date rape, there's no permission at all. Mm. The whole thing's been stolen. Uh, okay, yeah, true. So what about <laughs> what about someone um, 
peepholing you going to the bathroom through a peephole and you not knowing about it. Fine. Um, <laughs> well, what, what's the problem with that? <laughs> explain, explain in the simplest way possible why that's a problem. Well, it is an ethical problem, isn't it? For him. Because you didn't consent to it, but with the massage, you... Like, but you didn't consent to the thing which is the crux of what we're discussing. Okay, so 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 in the massage case, like whether the um, like we, you you wouldn't necessarily want the therapist to be having a bad time as much as you wouldn't want them to be having a good time. You wouldn't want like, them it, to. Wouldn't want it to hurt them. To, yeah, to, to for them to be hating it. So actually, it's irrelevant to you. And if anything, you'd want them to be having at least a nice time. But yeah, but then you can overshoot. I think so there's every chance really, that that they really enjoy doing it. You have to assume that they're a rational person, that they they do what they can. So are you saying, the, are you saying that, that rubbing you is a pleasurable experience? I'm saying that they've taken, they've gone down consciously, trained and pursuing a career path that solely involves that. Well, so, so you're saying it doesn't matter whether the enjoyment is like, oh, I'm really enjoying the money I get for this, mm. or, or I'm really enjoying this. Whereas Chris, you're less comfortable with them enjoying the act of it, but you're okay with them enjoying the the compensation for the act of it. I think it's just an interesting, I think it's just an interesting thought experiment. I think that massively, I think that the peepholing someone through a bathroom, them not knowing there's no exchange of service there. There is there. So there's even less, (laughs) there's even less of a reason for it to be wrong. I see. What's another, what's an example of something that's more morally on the boundary compromise. Mm. The peepholing one is probably more morally. But that's not touch. Oh, I see. Yeah, but what, why is there to, why is there a a line between the fact that there's touch and no touch? I would say because the book's called Ethics of Touch. Okay, so there, there was that proposal as well that you saw of the guy saying like, why is it that certain body parts are um, sanctioned and certain ones are not? Um, yeah, so I, I do find that I find that really interesting. Like you can pay someone to rub your head, but mm. not not your little head, <laughs> and that's well, you could what, rub a man's chest, but not a woman's chest. Yeah. It's just these weird kind of boundaries that exist. Which is almost... It's because of the narrative. It's the narrative that we attach to particular areas, isn't it? That's why. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So it's like in some cultures, even seeing parts of a a body is is, is, is not allowed. Victorians used to cover piano legs with fabric. Really? (laughs) Yeah, which is insane. What was the the thing you asked before? People thing. No, the other... Skirt. um, Skirt, that's it. So... (laughs) Would would you have a problem with the people thing? I would, but I would as well. But like you, no, you have no idea it's happening. I wouldn't have a major problem with it, but it's it, it's different because it's it's a violation that wasn't uh, like okay. So if you if you pay someone to rub you mm-hmm. and they enjoy it, yeah, that's partly as as part of the contract. Although there is a there is a reasonable expectation of how much enjoyment they will get from it, mm-hmm. or, or a tolerance of how much. An enjoyment or enjoyment, and you're like, well, it can exist within that range. Mm-hmm. But if it overshoots and it's way more than you bargained for, yeah, then that's why you feel a bit like, oh, hang on, that's a bit odd because I was only expecting. You haven't completely stepped range. out of the paradigm that is the transactional relationship that you'd already entered into. Okay, but going to the toilet, you don't expect anyone's watching you yeah, at all. That's outside of the paradigm. What about like guys perving at women as they walk down the street? Because that's like a step away from. So that's similar to like. I give you a ten pound note, not realizing you really like ten pound notes. Like mm. not just like the average. Oh, great ten pound tenant. Yeah, it's like oh, mm. Mm, mm, <laughs> you know. But that's that. I'm fine with that because at least yeah. you had a nice time. Got it. I for me, I think 
as long as I am unaware of the because like as long as he's not going to like film it and put it on YouTube I suppose once you're aware of it then it's uncomfortable because yeah. you're like so it. I know that we're running over but there's a thought experiment that's just come to mind and I want to give it to you two guys okay. so um, I recently chatted to a woman who goes on Loose Women quite regularly okay um, and she reminded me of a, a discussion that had gone on there and they said do you think that liking other girls' photos on Instagram is cheating? Okay. And she said, yes. She said, yes, that is a man putting himself out there and uh, identifying himself and giving a, uh, like highlighting himself to other women and drawing attention to himself and liking their photos and was like... She's making assumptions about his intention. Yeah. Yep. But um, like, what, should, what do we think of that? Uh, the analogy that I drew was, would you say that a man looking at other women as they walk past in a nightclub is cheating? Mm. And there was a, there's a line somewhere along there where it becomes cheating. It? Okay. So is it when they say something to them? Mm. Because what it actually is, if you want to draw the line somewhere in sort of flirtation or talking is not actually in the act because the act is just a manifestation of the intention. Mm-hmm. The intention, if the intention was, I want to pull that woman. Mm. Even but, if you come up and you, and you just, you just poo on a, a Exactly. You vomit, you vomit so this is like, the, this is the thing, right? Yeah, so, so if you just look at a woman across the other side of the room and your intention is that she'll look back at you and you're dreaming that that woman's going to come over and kiss you and then you're going to take her home. Mm. In that situation, looking at her is cheating. Yeah. So, so there's the different, if you take the two extremes then as the thought experiment. So one of them is you go over, you're like, Hey, how's it going? but actually they're really attracted to you and because you're standing quite close to them, they get a bit of sexual attention and, and all of that. But actually in your head, you're just like... I want to ask her the time or I want yeah, to know what, what where she got exactly. her dress from because I want to buy my wife the same dress. Yeah, as opposed to um, you go over and then you're like, I and you fart and you're like, do you like bread? And then you <laughs> and then you fall over and headbutt her and then you walk away like, oh. But actually the whole intention was, I want to try and take her home. Or even when you do less and you just look. Or you don't mm-hmm. even look; you just sit near her and don't look at her. Or because this, the problem is like that. There's no binaryness of it. If if we just look at the action rather than the, than the intention, which is this woman's claim of the paradigm, then we are saying that um, we have to set our own reasonable point where we say that action is acceptable, Crossing that action line. is not acceptable. And when we get into that continuum, we start to get into the extreme insecurities that lead to um, the like people making their women cover up um, yeah. or out of pure insecurity for other men looking at them. And it also goes to, if you were to flip it, it's like by having a nice haircut and wearing nice clothes you are somehow putting yourself out there for... Signalling, yeah. <clears throat> By going to the gym and making yourself look better and mm. stuff like Even that. If you're like, oh, no, I do it for me. But like, oh, well, but if you're judging it by the action and not the intention, then mm. you could construe anything to be cheating. So- Such an interesting little experiment that I think about where the line for cheating actually begins and ends. I think it's more about what are you going to... Because it, it kind of doesn't really matter. Like, if looking at someone is cheating, like, does that mean that the relationship... Does that mean you have to go home and tell your wife, like, 
I looked at exactly. Woman. Do, I, do I have to go home and tell it's, my wife that I liked another woman's yeah, photo? Because like I'm sure a load of guys have that are in those sorts of situations all the time in nightclubs and have that exact thought. And there are many girlfriends that wouldn't want to know that you looked at another woman. And, the, and probably a, a lot of women in, the, in exactly the same situation on the opposite. Like, why is that relevant to, to me? You, well, yeah. Or you could be like Aubrey Marcus and <laughs> and like having sex with other women isn't cheating. Yeah, because well, it's polyamorous, it's, isn't it? Well, I suppose yeah. you can't cheat in a polyamorous <laughs> relationship. It's impossible to cheat. So, like, what is cheating? It's like breaking the understanding of the situation that you're in. A lot um, of a lot of relationships don't have that understanding defined, though, right? No one gets into a relationship and well, says, it's, it's "Okay, like, for me, cheating is this." So you could get into mm. a relationship with a woman who's incredibly liberal and mm. say, "Well, no, you can go out for dinner with ex girlfriends. That's absolutely fine." I see. Like the the line for cheating can be drawn with. I think for most people, kissing, yeah, and and any sort of physical stuff. Like what about heavy petting? But do you understand? Like, what about hand holding? What about yeah, brushing yeah. past someone in the line, like for the water cooler at I work? I suppose then it becomes more difficult to justify a clean intention if you were like holding hands, with, like even though it's not like it's not oh, it's not technically cheating because of the action, but actually, like, why would you be holding hands with the? So probably with, just with it's just whenever it whenever you're doing something that you wouldn't do with a friend. Like whatever it takes. Okay, so you're holding hands and you're holding hands with your sister as you cross the street. Mm. Holding hands with your mum as you cross the street. I think it comes back to intention. So that that was the metric that they used when is it Ariana Grande when this this guy at the funeral? Did you see what happened? No. Where like it was a pastor at a funeral and he he had Ariana Grande. Oh I, yes. From Johnny's actually too wide to do this. Totally But he he had Fusilli. he had his arm around the he Pastor. He had his arm round her, but he was grabbing a boob and he was like edging his fingers forward like that right yeah which was very and it was on camera and some people were saying this is worse than any normal sexual assault because he's like he's like signaling like look what I can do to you in my position of power in front of all these cameras and still get away with it so it's mm-hmm. quite insidious but um, the the metric people were using was like because he was like oh no I was just being friendly and so the responses were like well you wouldn't touch your mum like that so Mm. Which is harder to justify then. Mm-hmm. It is. <laughs> We've ended on quite a nice, quite an interesting topic there, actually. Maybe I, we should do that. Maybe we should do. I think that we should get sensitive. Sexual some, assault 101. I think. <laughs> for what? How, how to it's avoid not, it? Not call it that, but yeah. yeah. Why? That's what it is. <laughs> Don't shy away from it, you said. It is what it is. Cheating 101. Mm. If you can't just accept facts, you will never be wealthy. That's Anton. We, we, Ant- we should do Anton 101. Anton. Oh. Anton 101. Anton on the podcast. Anton 01. We scratched the surface of life fails there. We've got so, <laughs> so many. many more. If you'd like to send us in some of yours, please email. The email address is in the show notes below. Yeah. Um, what have we got coming up soon? What have we got next? Relationships 102. Yeah. Uh, what was the other one that you suggested today? Honesty as a superpower. Uh, okay. Strength training you've wanted to do for absolutely ages. How to get strong. How to get strong. Johnny. Yeah. Um, what else do we have in there? Oh, finances. So we're going to go oh, yeah, deeper about finance, personal finance. finances and wealth management and stuff like God. that. Um, but yeah, please make sure that you subscribe below. Video guy Dean will make it appear here and here and here and here. Dean's just like, oh, Chris. And here. <laughs> and here. And here. And over my face. And on Yusuf's head, and it's going to revolve on Yusuf's head. <laughs> we, we make the work hard for Dean. Anyway, thank you very much for tuning in. We'll catch you next time. Okay, bye then. Okay, bye. bye then.